0: A big reward to solve the sea to sky gondola mystery.
1: This individual, on both occasions, came very close to hurting people.
0: Can a quarter million dollars help find the rogue cable cutter? Tri
2: Cities left without a single COVID testing
0: site.
3: They have expressed their fatigue and, and are closing the clinic.
2: Why they're caught short and the rush to solve the problem. <laughs>
0: And when Beatlemania came to BC. If they don't behave themselves, the concert will be canceled. The concert that kicked off a decade of rock and roll.
4: You're watching Global BC.
2: This is Global News Hour at six. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A significant reward is now being offered to solve the mystery of the Sea to Sky Gondola Vandal. The company putting up a quarter of a million dollars to help find the saboteur.
0: Meantime, police still aren't releasing footage of a possible suspect who's responsible for cutting the cable twice in a year at the Squamish attraction. Catherine Urquhart reports. At the Sea to Sky Gondola in Squamish, there is increasing frustration.
3: Twice the cable has been cut, and still no arrest has been made. Now the operator is hoping a huge reward will convince someone to talk.
1: Here at Cedar Sky Gondola are putting up a $250,000 reward.
3: The cable was cut the first time in August 2019. Someone slicing it in the middle of the night. Damages topped $5 million. Then, after everything was repaired and extensive security installed... It happened again earlier this month.
1: This event mirrors last year's event uh, in, in a very eerie fashion.
3: Squamish Mounties aren't releasing any video or still images of the suspect who is captured by surveillance cameras.
0: At this stage, about 11 days later, we're still combing through a lot of that footage. Some of it needs to be cleaned up,
3: needs to be worked on. We need to make sure that we're coming forward with the best piece um, when it comes to surveillance footage or CCTV, and we're just not ready to do that. Asked if they have a person of interest, police responded they won't reveal that at this time. The
1: first time, um, it was unique in the world. The second time, we're targeted. And we're going to do everything we can so that our team, my guys and girls out here, don't face this again.
3: Anyone with information should call 604-892-6122 or email gondola.info at rcmp-grc.gc.ca. Operators of Sea to Sky Gondola say they plan to rebuild but are desperate for an arrest. Catherine Urquhart. Global News, Squamish.
2: Vancouver police are looking for witnesses and victims after a random stabbing in Yaletown. It happened before noon Thursday near Nelson Street and Expo Boulevard. Police responded to a 911 call about a man with a knife and say the suspect stabbed a man, threatened bystanders, and also tried to stab at a passing vehicle. After a short foot chase, a 46-year-old man was arrested on the seawall. The 28-year-old victim is recovering after going to hospital on his own.
3: Investigators do believe this was a random attack. We feel that additional people have been confronted by the same man that day and have not called police, so we would like to hear from them. So we are asking for any witnesses or any additional victims
0: out there to please call our investigators. Well, with COVID cases in B.C. rising, people in the Tri-Cities area were surprised to hear they're losing their only testing site. The Port Coquitlam site was only supposed to be temporary, and the staff running it are simply burnt out after months running flat out. Fraser Health has been promising a new one, and as Paul Johnson reports, it suddenly announced plans for it are almost complete.
1: Right now, all we know is that as of October 2nd, we have no
5: COVID-19 assessment clinic in the Tri-Cities. That's Port Coquitlam Mayor Brad West, Friday morning, wondering what the future of COVID-19 testing will be for his city, Port Moody and Coquitlam, a region that's home to a quarter million British Columbians. He says he tried to call the head of Fraser Health to find out what the plan is. So I have picked up the phone as well. Yeah, and so I've sent, uh, left a message and I'm um, looking forward to hearing back. For the past few months, Tri-City residents wanting a test had this facility available in their community. But this was only a provisional clinic set up by a group of concerned local doctors who ran it on top of their existing practices. It was never meant to be permanent, and last night came the official word. They had to wind it down.
3: As time has gone by, we've seen the load, uh, unfortunately, be more and more on that
6: individual clinic uh, and th- you know, they, have, uh, they have expressed their fatigue and, and are closing the clinic.
5: While Mayor West was frustrated, our calls to Fraser Health did get a response by Friday afternoon that the health authority does indeed have a plan and a new drive through clinic is scheduled to open at this Coquitlam Park and Ride October 5th. Why the plans weren't shared earlier with a concerned mayor isn't clear. But Tri-City's residents can now be confident they'll get the testing capacity they need. Now's the time that testing and our capacity to get people tested should be ramped up. This is going in the wrong direction. In Port Coquitlam, Paul Johnson, Global
2: News. We'll talk about testing in just a moment. But first, a relatively encouraging day when it comes to COVID-19. Cases in our province We have 98 new infections. That brings our total to 8,641 for BC. We also tested a record number of people, more than 8,500, which means our positivity rate is 1.13%, which is lower than average. Sadly, we lost one more person, which means 230 people have now died in BC. 62 people are in hospital, 19 of those patients in ICU. 7,036 are considered recovered or about 81 percent, leaving us with 1,349 active cases and 3,533 people in isolation. Let's bring in Keith Baldry, who joins us now with more on the numbers and specifically, Keith, the cases that we're seeing in schools. Kids have been Mm -hmm. back for just over two weeks now. What's the breakdown of what we're seeing there?
7: Yeah, I thought it'd be time to take a look at what's going on in schools in terms of COVID-19. Dr. Bonnie Henry did say we're going to get more cases in schools, and the stats bear that out. So let's take a look for a graphic prepared by our Sally Nichols. It shows on the left, young people between the ages of 1 and 19 testing positive uh, for COVID-19. Since the school began, the two weeks in school began, 207 total cases, most of those among teenagers. How does that compare to the last two weeks of summer vacation? Uh, 157 there, again, most of them teenagers. So an increase of 50 in that same two-week period. Overall, in terms of the, the percentage of cases uh, that young people have of the total cases, it's been tracking upwards. In July 2nd, the beginning of the summer, it was at 5% of the total cases. As of yesterday, September 24th, it's at 9%. So we're going to be tracking these numbers as we go through the school year, Chris, to see if this increase is regular uh, or whether or not uh, it gets higher
2: or lower. So it's, it's interesting, I think, if you're a parent. Something to keep an eye on, for sure. Thanks very much, Keith.
0: Canada Post is confirming a COVID case at its Richmond Processing Centre. The corporation says it learned Thursday that a worker at the Ferguson Road facility tested positive for the virus. The employee last worked on Sunday and was wearing a mask and practicing physical distancing. Canada Post says the staff member was exposed to COVID-19 outside of work. The processing centre has since undergone a deep cleaning and sanitization.
2: On day four of the BC election campaign, housing is once again the focus for NDP leader John Horgan.
0: Appearing in Coquitlam with Selena Robinson, who served as housing minister, Horgan blamed 16 years of liberal governing for creating the housing crisis, claiming the, part, the party cut affordable housing projects. He says the NDP's speculation tax has led to 11,000 homes being available on the rental market.
7: We are going to be focused on building housing, the continuum of housing, co-op housing, not-for-profit housing, low-income housing, housing for those who have nowhere to live. And also encouraging the development community to build more rental stock so
2: we can keep those prices down. Meantime, B.C. Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson was in Yale Town, focusing on public safety and homelessness, citing a 50% spike in business break-ins and a 21% increase in assaults. The Liberal leader says better treatment programs are needed. He also took aim at the NDP's claim that the speculation tax has been a success.
7: What we need in this community in Yale Town, in Vancouver, in the Lower Mainland generally, is a tax on people who flip paper condo t- contracts before the building's even gone up. This has plagued this community for 10 years, and it's something that needs to be addressed. Instead of actually dealing with it, The NDP introduced a phony speculation tax that doesn't actually address speculation at all.
0: The Canadian Taxpayers Federation says retiring BC MLAs are going to cost taxpayers millions of dollars. She says the next government needs to reform MLA pensions. The CTF says former Liberal Cabinet Minister Rich Coleman will collect about $109,000 per year after the age of 65 for an estimated lifetime total of about $2.6 million. Former Speaker and Liberal MLA Linda Reed will collect $107,000 a year. That's about $2.6 million. Over a lifetime, a retiring NDP cabinet ministers Claire Trevenna, Jay- uh, Shane Simpson, Carol James, and Scott Fraser will all collect about $80,000 per year, about $2 million each lifetime. The Federation says in total, 16 retiring MLAs will cost taxpayers about $20 million. The Federation says for every $1 MLAs contribute to their pension plan, taxpayers contribute $4
6: one dollar to four dollars that is a gold-plated pension no matter how you slice it many of us are lucky frankly if our employers have a dollar for dollar matching rrsp so we would like all of these mlas when they're eventually re-elected to work on pension reform
0: Taxpayers Federation says on top of their pensions, MLAs who are not seeking re-election are allowed to collect the equivalent of their salaries for up to 15 months while they look for new jobs and can get up to $9,000 if they need skills training.
2: The Cullen Commission inquiry into money laundering in B.C. has been delayed again, but this time COVID-19 isn't to blame. It's the provincial election. Yeah. Commissioner Austin Cullen says the fall session of hearings set to resume on October 13th will be delayed until October 26th, the day or the Monday after voting day. He says he's doing it to protect the integrity of the electoral process and he does not want the commission hearings to become politicized. Cullen says a two-week delay will not have a significant impact on the overall timing of the commission's work.
1: And so there's a little bit of a risk of a distorted perspective if all that emerges is the snapshot moment in time during the election and later on there's a fuller body of evidence that changes that.
8: I am uh, equally sure that uh, BC Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson is breathing a deep sigh of relief uh, because uh, these uh, witness hearings, when they do happen, uh, will certainly not paint a very flattering picture of the decisions that were made under the previous administration. The comments today by E. B. and Mr. Horrigan, quite frankly, are their desperate attempt on their part to change the channel. Mr. Cullen has said that he is suspending this inquiry because a provincial election was called, an unnecessary provincial election due to John Horrigan.
0: BC is seeing stars. A new agreement has been reached between a BC studio and streaming giant Netflix. And with more productions coming to Hollywood North, many in the industry say they're optimistic about a booming recovery despite pandemic woes. Aaron MacArthur reports.
9: Sitting on 25 acres with more than 300,000 square feet of production space. The scale of the Canadian Motion Picture Park is hard to take in. Soon, about half of this facility will be given over to Netflix productions. The streaming giant announcing a long-term deal to make this Burnaby facility one of its three international hubs.
10: CMPP was a great fit for Netflix because it they're, they're going to pick facilities that help them accomplish their goal of producing great shows. Your resleeving is now complete.
9: Netflix already has a strong presence in Metro Vancouver. A studio opened in the former PAC press plant in Surrey was home to two seasons of a sci-fi show called Altered Carbon. And other productions have been shooting around the region. This latest deal, an indication of how far ahead B.C. is after months-long COVID-19 shutdowns. As many as 60 productions will be up and running in the region by next month.
8: An investment like this just kind of shows how big it's grown and how important it still is to
5: to BC. There's just a ton of auditions right now for everything. Hallmark TV series, feature films, movies of the week. CMPP
9: has been well known for its capacity to handle major blockbuster productions. This long-term deal with Netflix gives the studio years of revenue certainty. According to the owners, it's a deal fueled by B.C.'s reputation as a top-tier location.
10: It means that we've got a tremendous depth of talent of, in every area.
9: The terms of the deal with Netflix aren't public. The first production to move into the South Burnaby facility will be an as-of-yet
2: unnamed Sandra Bullock project. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A thief who keeps breaking a sacred trust. Police on Vancouver Island looking for the suspect who repeatedly steals from farm stands. Putting the traditional honor system at risk in just over a minute.
0: The newest aircraft in Canada's search and rescue fleet and how soon it'll be flying over the West Coast.
2: And the J-Pod baby boom where a second young orca has been spotted coming up.
0: Right now, though, there is clearly no honor among thieves. Something painfully obvious to farm stand operators on Vancouver Island.
2: Payment has always been on the honor system, but operators say a number of unattended cash boxes have been ripped off. Brad McLeod has the video to prove it.
1: It's the foundation of this rural community in the Cowichan Valley. Farm stands offering eggs, jams, and baking to buy. No high-tech transaction terminals here. Just honor. But this person showing none of it, fishing out coins from the cash box at the farmhouse boutique on Westcott Road. And just over a week later, another strike. This time, the perpetrator clearly visible.
3: The cash box in this video was attached to the counter. Uh, It appears to be a pretty brazen theft.
1: This understandable reaction by the owner.
4: Oh, you mother.
1: Though they didn't want to appear on camera, the owners say it's not the cash they care about. It's the shaken trust.
11: If someone needs a cookie, take a cookie. We just hope that all the farm stands that have come up during COVID can keep going. And we don't want anyone to have any a bad taste in their mouth.
1: But a nearby farm stand also hit has resorted to chains.
0: I mean, it's nothing sacred. You know, these people work so hard for what they do. And then some idiot comes along and just takes advantage of their hard work.
1: RCMP say on paper, there's no trend. But...
3: We have heard that a number of farm stands experiencing thefts do not make police reports until it becomes a chronic issue.
1: They want operators to report these crimes so they can modify patrols. Police also suggest keeping cash boxes out of sight to those passing by and to empty them regularly. As for the suspect, or suspects, police say they've received promising tips.
11: Everyone's just rallied. The lockbox was dropped off on our doorstep the next morning.
1: This donated heavy-duty bolted box. Neighbors showing their support and helping preserve honor in this community.
11: Sometimes it takes a negative to see all the positives, and our hearts are full.
2: Brad McLeod, Global News, North Cowichan. And up next, a Canadian icon in the
12: crosshairs. I had people phone me when they had brought that up and they said, is this a joke?
2: Hundreds of cow moose and calves targeted for a cull. Why this couple says the reason for it is bizarre.
0: And puppy rescue, dozens of animals saved from suffering and neglect in Princeton.
3: Traffic is moving well both ways over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge this evening. Keep in mind, overnight maintenance causes lane closures in both directions from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Kermak Collision and Autoglass have been family-run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermak. For location information, visit kermak.com. I'm Trish G. Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge.
0: Activists in the BC Interior are fighting the provincial government over a plan to increase the number of hunting licenses for cow moose and calves.
2: As Linda Aylesworth reports, critics say the government's plan to increase the moose cull could backfire and harm the very animals they're trying to protect.
11: There is something rather magnificent about the iconic moose, their intimidating size, and yet their tenderness towards their calves to imagine B.C. without them, and yet...
12: Everybody is worried about our declining moose population, so we took it in our hands to uh, address it in a way with uh, buying a half a dozen cow moose signs.
11: Dan and Vivian Simmons have distributed thousands of signs since they created the Cow Moose Sign Project six years ago. Their billboards line the highways in various central and northern B.C. communities. And in their hometown of Williams Lake, a mural is in the making.
9: We just need to bring awareness. We need to let people know that we have to keep the cow moose safe and that's going to raise the population.
11: But they are not safe. For years, the government has allowed mothers and calves to be hunted in an effort to save endangered mountain caribou populations in a roundabout way.
12: To call the cow and calf moose specifically, uh, to starve the wolves, to save save the the remaining mountain caribou. I had people phone me when they had brought that up and they said, is this a joke?
11: Wolves, a top predator, have long been persecuted where struggling mountain caribou are concerned. But does wiping out the moose population
12: really help? Wolves are not going to starve. Wolves will never starve. And they'll if on, you're.
11: It'll go into if, the caribou, they'll go into the cattle. At a rally earlier this week, the hunters, guides, outfitters, and First Nations in attendance agreed that wolves are not at the root of the problem and that penalizing moose was wrong. Moose habitat's been destroyed. Habitat lost, predators take over,
8: ungulates decline. It's pretty simple.
11: And yet it was recently revealed that next month the cult will be even larger. In some regions, up to 50% of cows and calves will be killed. The government response to our request for answers? During the election period, all government of BC communications are limited to health and public safety information.
12: They're not listening and they need to get a round table together with every uh, stakeholder and get this figured out.
0: Linda Aylesworth, Global News. The BCSPCA is asking for help to care for 97 animals seized from a Princeton property. The 43 puppies, 24 dogs, 27 horses and three cats are being cared for in Kelowna, Penticton and Armstrong. They were seized on Wednesday after a complaint about animals in distress. Two of the horses may have to be put down. The SPCA says their living conditions were unsanitary, overcrowded, and unsafe. Some of the dogs were allegedly kept on short chains with no access to water, and many of the animals are underweight or emaciated. The owner is known to the SPCA and has had animals seized before.
2: Another orca calf has been born to J-pod. It's the second one born this month for the endangered southern resident orcas that frequent Puget Puget Sound and the Salish Sea. Sorry, The Center for Whale Research says J-41, also known as Eclipse, gave birth to a baby Thursday afternoon just kilometers off the Victoria waterfront. This is her second calf. Her first J-51 was a male born in 2015. This comes after another member of the pod, J-35, gave birth to a boy September 4th. Lots of boys in that pod. <laughs> J-35 gained international attention in 2018 for carrying her dead calf along the surface for more than two weeks in an effort uh, to revive it and to mourn. There are now 74 southern residents in the J, K, and L pods.
0: Still ahead, what could be a record election in the U.S.?
12: I would walk through glass and hot charcoal and bare feet to make make this election.
0: The factors driving Americans to the polls for early voting.
2: And our 60th anniversary celebration continues with a flashback to the 1960s and a concert that captivated the whole province.
5: 60 years of bringing you the stories that shape our history. 60 years of Global B.C., in partnership with Connect Hearing, your hearing is important. Take care of it.
3: Extra volume for southbound traffic over here at the Massey Tunnel. There's a stall southbound at the north end in the left lane. The Lotto Max jackpot is $50 million plus an estimated two Max millions. $50 million plus two Max millions. Dream to the max with Lotto Max. I'm Trish Jewison at Global One at the Massey Tunnel.
0: After two days in repose, the body of Ruth Bader Ginsburg was transported to the U.S. Capitol where she became the first woman to lie in state. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden and his wife Jill stopped by to pay their respects to the late Supreme Court justice. And a poignant moment took place as Ginsburg's personal trainer paid special tribute, dropping to the marble floor in his suit to do three push-ups. Ginsburg will be buried at Arlington National Cemetery next week in a private ceremony.
2: The battle over Ginsburg's replacement is just the latest event driving people to the polls and making this U.S. election one of the most watched in history.
0: Early voting is high in dozens of states and despite pushback from President Trump, millions are requesting mail-in ballots. Global's Reggie Cicchini shows us why participation could reach record levels.
13: Americans are not waiting to have their voices heard. I would walk through glass and hot
5: charcoal
12: and bare feet to make to make this election.
13: At least two dozen states have begun early voting, creating lineups hours long and hundreds deep.
12: You can only control what's in front
11: of you. So do what you gotta do. The rest will take care of itself.
13: In Virginia's first five days of early voting, one third of all of 2016's early voters turned out.
7: A lot of people are fearful and they're fearful from different perspectives.
13: Fear prompted by a pandemic, but also rhetoric of a rigged election. The ballots are out of control. Dozens of states have already mailed out millions of ballots, despite pushback from President Trump.
8: We want to make sure the election is honest, and I'm not sure that it can be...
13: Trump's claims of fraud are unfounded and have not stood in the way of at least 28 million requests for mail-in ballots.
8: We have to be very careful with the ballots. The ballots,
13: that's a whole big scam. The vacant seat on the U.S. Supreme Court has also become a key election issue, adding to the deep political divide. And as mourning continues over the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the fight over her replacement is sending voters to the polls. Voter groups say registration has surged, especially amongst young women.
6: You know, as a woman with a credit card in my own name and a bank account of my own, I owe that to her.
13: At least one quarter of newly registered voters after the death of Ginsburg were 18 to 24 years old the same group that political scientists say sat out in 2016.
8: Biden does not inspire a whole lot of enthusiasm amongst the youngest voters, so maybe raising the stakes of the election makes it a little bit more likely for some of these folks to turn out.
13: Donald Trump is the motivating factor in this election for both parties, and polls show at least half of Americans will have voted early. Votes and minds that can't be changed in the waning weeks of campaigning. Reggie Cicchini, Global News, Washington.
2: Here in Canada, the federal NDP intends to back the Liberal government in an upcoming confidence vote, preventing a fall election. The party has struck a deal to support the throne speech after Liberals agreed to expand the number of people who are able to access paid sick days in the coronavirus pandemic. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh previously said the party would not support the speech without legislation guaranteeing that jobless Canadians won't see a reduction in benefits. Yesterday, the Liberals introduced Bill C-2, which would replace the soon-to-expire CERB benefit. Unemployed Canadians would receive $500 a week in benefits under the new plan.
0: Canada's National Defence Minister was on Vancouver Island today to mark the arrival of the first new search-and-rescue aircraft. The new CC-295 fixed-wing aircraft will eventually replace the Buffalo and Hercules aircraft on search-and-rescue missions. Feds announced they would spend $28 million on the new planes back in 2016. A 20-year contract with Airbus includes maintenance and a training facility, bringing the price tag to $4.7 billion. The new aircraft will be named Kingfisher.
2: In health matters tonight, the push for a global COVID-19 vaccine is getting a big boost from our government. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announcing Canada will spend $440 million to join an international program aimed at ensuring COVID-19 vaccines are available globally, not just in rich countries. Trudeau says in order to eliminate the virus in Canada, COVID-19 needs to be eliminated around the world. He's also announced the government has signed a deal with AstraZeneca for up to 20 million doses of its vaccine candidate, which was developed at Oxford University and is in the final phase of clinical trials.
0: Just ahead, the day the Beatles came to town.
2: It be a great deal of pleasure on behalf of the PNE to present
0: the Beatles! The event that jump-started a decade of rock and roll in B.C. as our 60th celebration continues.
2: And later in sports, a young B.C. athlete destined for stardom. And her ability to hit a golf ball isn't even her best quality.
5: Global B.C. 60th anniversary in partnership with Connect Hearing, the number one physician-referred hearing provider.
0: Weather's kind of been all over the place lately. <laughs> a Little bit. Yeah,
10: meteorologist Yvonne
0: Shell is here to break it down for us. Yvonne.
10: A mixed bag. Uh, just a reminder, High Stream Flow Advisory, today uh, we had some video from Shannon Falls. We may or may not have that. That's okay. We started off with the winds. So oh, there's the video from Shannon Falls. So just a reminder with the rainfall. We have seen a significant amount. High Stream Flow Advisory, please be very diligent. All right, let's get to the winds and see what we saw this morning. We had gusts of over 50 kilometers per hour. That was out of the airport Abbotsford at 60, Sisters Island, uh, closer to 90 kilometers per hour. And the rain was a big weather story. We added to the rain gauge. These are some unofficial numbers. For example, Squamish getting closer to 70 millimeters. Along the North Shore Mountains, we had a range between 30 and up to 50 millimeters. And unofficially, we had some records, record rainfall, Campbell River, for example example, 24.6, an old record of 22.1, and that was set back in 1922. We managed to see some breaks as well, so a mixed bag. We are going to still see some cloud cover this evening and even a slight chance for some isolated showers. That'll be the weather picture that takes us in towards our Saturday morning, so a heads up. As we get in towards the morning hours for tomorrow, we are going to still see a few isolated showers across the board, and then we are going to see a drier latter half of the weekend on our Sunday, the wet weather will fall along the north coast and that system may bring us some cloud cover on our Sunday. The northern half of the province for tomorrow, we could see a few isolated thunderstorms popping up. Much of the central and southern interior, is an increase in cloud cover. A chance of showers moving in as early as the afternoon. A cooler day for tomorrow for many areas across the southern half of the province. And it's cloud cover, isolated showers, but it's the long-range forecast. As we get in towards our Monday onwards, it's going to warm up in towards next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, away from the water, could get up to 25 and 26, going to feel balmy. Tonight's weather window, this one, Olive Lake, Kootenay National Park, captured by Grant. Guys? Beautiful. Thanks,
0: Yvonne.
2: All right, nice. Vancouver, in the 1960s, was one of the few Canadian stops on the concert circuit. The musical sensation of the decade, the Beatles had catapulted to fame in North America after an appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show.
0: And six months later, on August 22nd, 1964, the Fab Four performed here, in an open-air concert at Empire Stadium. As Jordan Armstrong reports, a face familiar to our viewers was there, and still has the proof.
4: 1967, a time when grand openings really were a grand spectacle day one of a fields department store in New Westminster, called for go-go dancers.
8: Well, it was kind of hard for me to keep up because uh, I didn't understand uh, long hair and the Beatles. And it took me years to to accept the fact that uh, the Beatles wrote some great music. They make
12: everything we make into a single over here. In fact, we've, we've made three albums. Sorry, him, sorry, Paul. Sorry. Sorry. In England, we made three
4: albums. <laughs> But the next generation had already embraced the Fab Four. In August of 64, Beatlemania hit Vancouver. The electricity in the air, it was the excitement of being there, the excitement of seeing these guys in the flesh. A crowd of teens parked themselves outside the Hotel Georgia, where the band was rumored to be staying. Unbeknownst to anyone, uh, the Beatles weren't even in the hotel, never made it to the hotel. That's because an immigration issue delayed their arrival and the concert. More than 20,000 screaming fans were at Empire Stadium for a performance like no other. Among them, a 15-year-old Wayne Cox. And the place went crazy. You couldn't hear anything.
7: It
12: be a great deal of pleasure on behalf of the PNE to present the Beatles!
4: The girls were screaming so loud. that I don't think the Beatles sometimes could hear themselves on the stage. Tickets, just $4.25 for a concert that nearly became a riot. Anyway, the crowd of be told, if they don't behave themselves, the
12: concert will be cancelled. I don't know, I've carried four little kids out that
5: shouldn't be uh, out 10 years old, 11 years old, and it's a damned disgrace.
4: Kids were getting squashed, and the police were having to pull girls over this uh, fence and, and get them to safety and some of them were fainting and it was it was incredible the show was short after 27 minutes the beatles were gone at the time people thought that rock and roll and that kind of popular music was just going to maybe last six months to a year but the kids knew what was going on the kids are all right the rolling stones played vancouver in 1966 the monkeys in 69 it was a decade that built the local concert industry. For many acts, Vancouver was their only Canadian stop. And they had to deliver. No special effects, no lip-syncing. That You were much closer to the experience. It really starts to happen in the 60s then here in the city. So it's a, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good time. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. It's been a-
0: we miss concerts.
14: <laughs> we do. What are those things? Is that when people that's stand it. close together and jump up and down and breathe on each other? That is kind the, of. That's he the is, olden days. sound that is fun so when you describe it that way. 2019. <laughs> so 2019. Uh, we're going to introduce you to one of the best young golfers in the world.
6: Um, a personal goal of mine is I really want to play in the Augusta National Women's Amateur.
14: 13-year-old Michelle Liu of Vancouver actually could reach bigger goals than that, the way she's going.
2: And also later, satellite debris.
12: Tonight, I'll be eating a veggie cheeseburger on ciabatta. No, tonight.
2: All right, let's check in with Squire. Uh, Latest on baseball, and I'm really curious about this young golfer, too. That's cool. Oh, we'll tell you
14: that story in just a moment. I just wanted to point out, I know we mentioned this last night on the show, but the Blue Jays did clinch a playoff spot, which is not bad when you think about it for a team that had to play its first 13 games on the road because they couldn't figure out where to play their home games. They ended up playing them in Buffalo because, of course, they couldn't play them in Toronto. Now, I know you could say, well, it was easier to make the playoffs this year because they are allowing 16 teams in the playoffs. That's true. Uh, Toronto will likely play Tampa in round one. And the first round is best of three. So upsets are very possible. Now this is the final weekend of the regular season. The very short regular season. Blue Jays against Orioles. And this one ended well for Toronto. Travis Shaw with a two-run homer there. Jays win it by the score of 10-5. to Their record is 31-27. and Well, can the Stars tie up the series with... Tampa Bay tonight. First period, it's already 1-0 for Dallas. They don't have a lot of shots on goal, but they do have two goals now. That's Joe Pavelski from BC's Jamie Benn. That's two goals on three shots. Not so good Vasilevsky. but the Lightning do come back. Andre Palat to Braden Poit, in stride, scores. It was 2-2. Now Dallas is ahead again, 3-2. Well, she is a few years from taking a serious run at the LPGA, but the people who follow women's golf know that one day Vancouver's Michelle Liu might become a regular on the biggest tour of all.
8: Michelle Liu is one of the best 13-year-old female golfers on the planet. That is not opinion, it's fact. She has the resume to prove it. More on that in a moment. Liu started playing golf when she was just 6 and was entering and winning tournaments by the time she was 8, but those early days also had some rough moments.
6: I also used to cry a lot when I was young, and so when I first started playing golf tournaments, I like, you know, I'd have a 12 on a hole, and then I'd burst into tears and have 12s and shoot like really bad scores for the next 5 holes.
8: But the game taught her some things, and now she actually feels her edge is her mental toughness and problem-solving.
6: Okay, I'm stuck behind a tree. What are my options? These are my options. Which one is the best one? And I think that's kind of the logical reasoning that develops more as I grow older and I learn new shots. I am more confident in those shots, and I think I'm more likely to make the right decision.
12: Since she's been about 10 or 11, she's been able to manage her nerves and her emotions extremely well uh, under pressure and uh, actually she seems to thrive on it.
8: Rob Holding would know he's helped the likes of Nick Taylor and Adam Svensson get to the PGA Tour, and he sees some striking similarities
12: on how they all approach the game. They don't make excuses, they don't, you know, they don't need a lesson every five minutes. They they go out there and they go with what they're feeling that day, and they get the ball in the hole as fast as they can
8: use already one of the most decorated players in our province's golf history. At 12, she became the youngest player ever to compete at an LPGA event. That was the 2019 CP Canadian Women's Open. She's won the World Junior Tournament in her age group three times, and just last week became the youngest player ever to win the BC Women's Amateur, coasting to a seven-shot win over the province's best players. U.S. colleges are already trying to get her to commit, but she's not even in high school yet.
6: I want to graduate with a degree, and then I'll see um, if the LPGA is an option for me, and if it is an option, then yeah, I think I'll, it's something that I'll consider.
8: Maybe more impressive than her golf is her humanitarian spirit. She, along with her friends, have started a foundation to help young girls in China.
6: The Hope for Girls Foundation basically provides education and basically basic supplies such as textbooks, school supplies, etc. to these girls in the Guangxi Province in China. This is something that really empowers us, that we're privileged enough to be able to help others. And that's something that I really am passionate about and I hope that's something that can be done.
14: Necessity is a mother of invention, so the Whitecaps visited some of the kids from Children's Hospital via Zoom today from their temporary home in Portland. Not only did the kids meet the players, but they got gifts as well, like jerseys. And how much do they like it? I'll show you how much. Thumbs up. Well done for the Whitecaps. There you go.
0: That's the best. Very cute. Thanks, Squire. Let's check in with Andrea for a look ahead to global news at eleven. And thanks, Sophie. We'll have more
14: tonight on what police are calling a random stabbing in Yale Town. We'll also hear about a frightening experience for a woman who lives in a downtown who lives in downtown Vancouver. She found bullet holes in her window. Plus, the Prime Minister weighed in on the story we brought you last night about Sikh RCMP officers being pulled from frontline duty and given desk jobs because of their beards. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at eleven o'clock. Sophie, Chris.
0: All right, Ann, thank you.
2: All right, we've got a lot more coming in. Satellite Debris right after this.
0: All right, it's Friday, and you know what that means.
14: Okay, so I think sci-fi geeks, of which there are many, um, have had these dreams of Star Wars and Star Trek somehow Coming. coming together. That would be nerd nirvana. And Uber Eats has provided us that moment. Here we go.
12: Tonight, I'll be eating a veggie cheeseburger on ciabatta. No tomatoes. Tonight, I'll be eating four cheese tortellini with extra
7: Tomatoes.
5: Stuart, so it's come to the- Thank you.
12: Bravo.
7: Careful, Hamill. Daddy's not here to save you. Oh, I am my daddy. Come again? Wait, what? You
12: said daddy's not here to save you.
7: What are you talking about?
12: I'm not sure I got that right. Tonight,
5: I'll be eating roasted cauliflower tacos with spicy chipotle sauce. Thank you. Oh, yeah! I wasn't ready!
7: You want cheese to go with that wine? Tonight, I'll be eating chicken tikka masala with garlic naan. Cheers. I win again, Patrick. That's Sir Patrick.
2: Sir! I like
14: it. I like it. I like it. Okay, these two commercials uh, are actually from the Texas Rangers baseball team trying to sell season tickets to next year's games, and they're doing it by making fun of their divisional opponents.
1: Seattle. How can you trust them? Our opponents claim to be mariners, but their mascot is a moose? According to maritime law, it's illegal for a moose to operate an aquatic vessel. The Texas Rangers respect the laws of the sea. Also, our mascot is a captain who can speak fluently in Dolphin. So you can trust us. I'm Chris Woodward and I approve this message. Houston, they've got a problem. Our opponents call themselves Astros. New research shows that Astros is actually shorthand for astronauts. Why is this team obsessed with leaving its home planet? Now more than ever, we need a team who embraces one planet. Earth, the only planet with drinkable water, giraffes, and America's favorite pastime. The Texas Rangers stand for Earth. I'm Chris Woodward, and I approve this message. i buy
0: that. A little okay.
2: play on the U.S. election
0: down there, too. Mm-hmm.
2: Eh? Who here has been was born in the 80s?
0: Born in the 80s? <laughs>
14: All right, this one might not apply to you, I don't know. You may not recognize all these people. But this is one we've run before, an old Radio Shack commercial. I think this was a Super Bowl ad, actually, referring back to that decade that, unfortunately, Yvonne doesn't really know much about.
11: (laughs) Okay. What? The 80s called. They want their store back.
8: It's time for a new Radio Shack.
5: Hey! Come see what's possible when we do things together.
0: Cliff. He knew what? it Cliff Claver Claven? He, yeah, he, he knew everything. Cliff
14: Claven. yeah, he knew everything. <laughs> he was the guy who'd yeah, he always give you a fact or some mm-hmm. boring anecdote about something. But Alf was in there.
10: Yes. And, and Marilyn Redden. Yeah. Did you re- did you recognize them, Yvonne? <laughs> A couple. Yeah. You know, they they streamed into the nineties, that's why.
2: <laughs> Enjoy the weekend everybody. We'll see you back here Monday.
10: Oh look at that
0: beautiful closing shot. Mm. Good night all. <laughs>